like to share a scripture with you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you know God's Word makes all things new? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. There's a young man named Alan Robinson who worked for Georgia Power in Rome, Georgia, and he was a typical college boy working his way through school living and doing things he should not have been doing, living according to his word in sin. One day, he was given one of these green New Testaments at a Gideon distribution at that Georgia University. He took, and by the way, we just made a distribution down at Auburn, 4,700 and something, made a distribution at uh, the University of Alabama, 3,000 something, in the process of making a distribution at UAB in the last two weeks, uh, South Alabama, distribution, God's Word to these college students. But according to Alan, he was just a typical college boy living in sin, in bad sin, gambling, drinking, and carousing. But when he got this green New Testament, he read it and was convicted of his sins and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And now when he went on break at that Georgia Power Company, he didn't talk about all the things he'd done the day before. He wanted to talk about Jesus. And that's, that's an amazing transformation. And he wanted to talk about Jesus Christ. And then he prayed this prayer. Lord, make me an influence for Jesus at Georgia Power. But the Bible also says in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and to give you a future, if you seek me with all your heart. So you see, the Lord had bigger plans for Alan than Alan had for himself. Lord, make me a, an influence for Jesus here at Georgia Power, but shortly after he got to work, he was transferred over here to Alabama Power. In Alabama Power, he worked up there at, uh, off of 280, but he was responsible for the Wilsonville plant, which was right down the road here. And then he became the president of our Gideon camp. And that, to me, is an amazing story of how God takes a lost sinner and puts him in a place of responsibility at his company because he wanted to be an influence for Jesus. But then he becomes president of our Gideon camp, which is based right over here in Columbiana. So you see, the Lord's got greater plans. So Alan, last year, before the pandemic, went to a Muslim country where they hate Christians 
for a Bible distribution. Allen paid his own ways. He took his own vacation, and they put him out at a school and said, now make yourself invisible, Allen. Now here's this kind of light blonde-headed guy in a Muslim country. Make yourself invisible, Allen. But he, he said, the Lord must have made me invisible because we distributed 300 Bibles in just a few minutes, and we were a block away from a police station and a half a block from a police observation tower. God is amazing. Now, coupled with all that, he's president of our uh, Gideon, and since then he got a promotion, and now Allen is the Southern Compliance Officer in Atlanta, Georgia, for the Southern Company. God is amazing in what he does with us when we're obedient to him. You see, we have distributed, the Gideons International has distributed over 2 billion copies of God's Word. Distributed 70 million copies of God's Word last year. We distributed them in motels. It's estimated that these Gideon Bibles in motels are read, are opened some 2,300 times before we go in, and we go in every year when we can and pick up the Bibles, go through them, and if they are in good shape, we leave them. If they're not in good shape, we take them home and tear off the covers and put them in prisons. Because they say these hard covers can be used as a tool or an instrument of death. So 2,300 times. And we distribute, the women distribute the Bibles in dental offices, doctor's offices, and motels, and all over the world. Anywhere we can put a Bible... We put a Bible. And how can you, let me share this with you. Every penny that churches give, every single penny that churches give, go to print these Bibles and then the cost of distributing them. Not one penny goes to pay somebody's salary. Alan went to that Muslim country, paid his own way, took his own vacation and did everything on his own. So not one penny that a church gives, and that's where the bulk of our uh, income comes, not one penny goes to pay somebody's salary or pay an expense for them to go overseas or something like that. It's, it's the most pure men that I've ever dealt with. No egos. They just want to see Jesus glorified. In John 10, 10 through 11... Jesus said, the thief only comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you have life, and you have it more abundantly. I'm number six of seven children, and I certainly was experiencing the abundant life. I had a beautiful wife. I had two wonderful children. Uh, we were growing in the Lord. I had a job that I was so thankful for. I didn't have an education, but I had a great job at U.S. Steel. I was living the abundant life. And then the church where I was gave me a little boys class, 12-year-old boys class to teach. And the abundant life was all around me. But remember, the Bible says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you have life and you have it more abundant. He, he doesn't leave Christians alone either. I was experiencing the abundant life. And I can remember a sermon in Midfield Baptist Church where the pastor preached a great sermon. And as he gave the invitation... I don't remember the sermon that well, but I remember the invitation. Jesus is your Savior. Now let Him be your Lord. 
I had a good job, had a beautiful family, and I worked at U.S. Steel. And I said, Lord, I come from such a poor background. There's no way I can give my job up at U.S. Steel and go back to school or serve or whatever. And I didn't really know what the Lord was asking me to do. Lord, I can't do that. In a matter of months, I've heard this said, partial obedience with the Lord is total disobedience. So in a matter of months, that job I wouldn't give up, they transferred that whole department to, you, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I just built a house. I was paying for that house, and I didn't have a job. In a matter of months, uh, that job was gone that I couldn't give up. Well, I was blessed to get a job traveling five states, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Panhandle, Florida. And every city I went into, God put a man to talk to me about Jesus. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, there's a man named Guy Maynard and, Maynard and a Mr. Short. And they'd say, hey, Milk, we're going to church tonight. We're going to have supper. We want you to go with us. So, you know, I'm a salesman. I, the president of the company says, we want you to go to church with us. Okay, I'll go to church with you. We're living in sin. So I went to church with uh, Mr. Guy and Mr. Short. Then in Nashville, Tennessee, there was a salesman there that uh, he became sales manager. And I noticed something about him. I said, uh, Don, I noticed something different about you. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I just noticed something different about you. He said, well, I hope so. I got saved. And he was a sales manager. Then in Memphis, Tennessee, there's a guy there named Norris Bartholomew. And he was a super salesman for them, number one salesman, and worked with him. And uh, he went to Bellevue Baptist Church. And uh, it would work. And most, most, most thing he'd talk about was Jesus. And he'd take me down to North Mississippi and he'd say, Hey, uh, Milton, I just bought this seven acres of land, got a little lake on it. And I bring my Sunday school class down here. We have Bible studies down here. So everywhere I went in Birmingham, there's a man there named Charlie Wooliver uh, come back home to Birmingham talk to me about Jesus. Well, working with Norris there in Memphis, I had to make an appointment some two months later to work with him. I worked with him in November, so after the first year, I was going back to work with Norris. When I walked up those stairs and had an appointment that was made two months before, they said, well, hadn't you heard about Norris? We were doing, uh, we were doing inventory here, and a beer truck rear-ended him, and he's paralyzed from his neck down. Now, here's a man living in sin. Here's a man living for Jesus, teaching a Sunday school class, and he's paralyzed. Well, it kind of touched me. The Lord was putting people in my life everywhere I went to draw me back home to Jesus. So anyway, I went back to uh, Memphis a month or two later, and uh, of course, Norris was not back to work, but I asked about him because he had been injured in that wreck. And they said, well, Norris... As soon as they could strap him in his wheelchair, put his Bible in his lap, he was back teaching his Sunday school class. So you see, the Lord was drawing and putting people in my life. So, 
Partial obedience with the Lord is total disobedience. And a Christian cannot be in sin and be happy. Most miserable man you've ever seen, or I thought, was Milton Pointer. My life was just terrible. And I can remember I was on 8th Avenue South one day, and I was driving, and I looked up, and I said, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this mess I'm in, I'll live for you. Well, nothing happened immediately, but things started happening gradually. I'm in New Orleans one Thursday afternoon, and uh, just miserable, and thinking this. The devil, the Bible says the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I was thinking my life is so worthless. It'd be better for me to be dead than to be alive. And somebody had taken the time in that Gideon Bible. They had a card, and it said, See Isaiah 41.10. And Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, be not confused. Fear thou not. Be not confused, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. That's Jesus. That gave me enough encouragement to come home, go see my pastor at First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove. And I sat down across the desk from him on a Sunday morning before he preached. And I said, Brother Stokes, <clears throat> I want to come home. He looked across that desk at me and he said, Milton, don't wait till you come home to the Lord to clean your life up. He said, you come home to the Lord and let him clean your life up. And that's exactly what happened. Started attending Sunday school faithfully. I had a Sunday school teacher who didn't talk about the football games the day before. He talked about Jesus. He didn't talk about the church softball team that we had or the basketball team that we had or all those activities. He talked about Jesus. I need to say this too. For the years before God broke me, that Sunday school teacher would come and visit me and talk to me, invite me to his class. Again, not talking about all the activities of the church. He just talked about Jesus. Didn't talk about the football games. Didn't talk about all that stuff. Talked about Jesus. He never gave up on me. In fact, is one time he told my wife, he said, don't give up on Milton. The Lord's going to get him. And he did. And when the Lord takes all those people in all those cities just to get after one person. Don't you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the great one. I mean, they're all great. But that next verse applies to me and applies to you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. So you see, it's everything God and Jesus did, and the only thing we can do is accept Jesus as our Savior. So it's interesting. Uh, the Lord took me off the road, gave me a job at a company called Young and Van that some of y'all may have heard of, some of the men close to my age may have heard of. It's the largest industrial supply at that time in the Southeast. And he took me off the road, put me in a warehouse, and this is the truth. Uh, learning the products, but even cleaning commodes and things like that. I had a good job wearing a tie and doing all that stuff prior to that, but then I'm, I'm cleaning commodes and keeping the warehouse and on a training program for a year. And then knowing I was going in outside sales someday, 
And I'm saying all this to praise Jesus now. So finally the day came for me to go into outside sales after being there a little over a year. I was so excited about going into outside sales and getting out of that warehouse and doing those things. And so, but I forgot a micrometer that I was supposed to take to an engineer at a company called Stockham Vows and Finney. I ain't forgot it. And that's why I was going to see him. So I stopped on Morris Avenue and I asked the Lord, Lord, forgive me for not asking you to bless me in this new endeavor of my life. And I went back and got the micrometer. Went back and saw Al Ingram, who was an engineer there. And I hadn't been with Al more than five to ten minutes, and he was talking about Jesus. And he said, Milton, I can't buy much from you. That micrometer at that time probably cost $40. I can't buy much from you, but I'll help you all I can. Took me upstairs and introduced me to the chief engineer, who was a Christian, who took me to his engineers. And they had such a great department there of young Christian engineers who knew more than I did. They were engineers, and I'm, I don't have a college education. I don't have all the stuff they got. And the next thing you know, in a matter of two to three years, they took all the accounts I had away from me and left me with only three. Stockham Vows and U.S. Steel and one other. And in a matter of years, again, the Lord Jesus took me from one of 30 to number one of 30. He did that. And a friend of mine who I eventually became partners with, he said, Milton, nobody can understand it. You weren't smarter than anybody else. You didn't drink with any, uh, you didn't take customers out and booze them up. Nobody could understand it because we'd slip in the mic, uh, into the computer room at night and see your sales and nobody could believe it. Jesus did that. And then eventually Jesus made me Birmingham sales manager, Montgomery, Albany, Georgia, Tupelo, Mississippi, Decatur, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama. And Jesus Christ did that. And then eventually, I went into business with a gentleman. And we were responsible for the same five states that I used to travel. Now, I want to share an incident that happened as I started, we started traveling those five states. In the past, when I was in sin, and miserable. Now I started in the Gideon Bible writing out the plan of salvation and leaving a tip, three to five dollars. And uh, started doing that in every motel, every place I stayed, I started doing that. Well, one time my wife had told me before I was going out of town, she said, I want you to go to the Jimmy Hill Mission because they say for twenty dollars they can feed 10 men. Well, I forgot it. Well, the next day she reminded me. So I'm going out of town on a Tuesday and I walked into the Jimmy Hill Mission. At that time, they were on 2nd Avenue and I walked in, I took that $20 and I said, uh, my wife said, y'all could feed 20 pe uh, 10 people for $20 and here's the $20. So I drove. Now think about this. That day, which was a Tuesday, I drove from Birmingham to Jackson, Tennessee. Spent the night in Jackson, Tennessee. Wednesday morning, got up and drove from Jackson, Tennessee to Union, Tennessee, almost to the Kentucky line. Drove back to Memphis, Tennessee on that Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, drove from Memphis, Tennessee 
to Vicksburg, Mississippi. And that's about 700 to 1,000 miles. And normally at that time, we didn't stay in Holiday Inns because they were too expensive, but I couldn't find a room in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Well, they had one room at the Holiday Inn, and it was room 413. And I can remember that because my house number was room 413. But anyway, I was in room 413. I was gotten ready to write out that plan of salvation, put it in the Gideon Bible, and something prompted me Give everything you got in your billfold. And I kind of hesitated, and I thought, well, Lord, I, I don't understand this. And I, I really didn't know how much, because I, I didn't carry much money, but I knew there was some money in there. So I opened up that billfold, and there's $30 in it. And I said, Lord, you know, $30 plus $20 is $50. Give everything you got in your billfold. Okay, so open up that billfold, 20 in the 10, wrote out the plan of salvation, and this is the truth. God's amazing. Open up that Gideon Bible, and a brand new $50 bill fell out of it. So it didn't cost me anything. That's the truth. A brand new $50 bill fell out on the, it actually looked like it flew out on the floor, a $50 bill. So I got down on my knees and I asked the Lord to forgive me for all my uh, lack of faith. And wrote out, I finished the plan of salvation, put, put the 20 and the 10 in the Bible, and put the $50 bill in my billfold. Now I knew it wasn't mine. So get back home, share it with my class, and uh, a week or two later, uh, the deacons count the money at the church after the offering on Sunday morning, and the phone rang. And I didn't answer it, and so it rang and rang and rang. Then it rang again, and this time I answered it. And there's a young woman on the other end. Now, think about this. One of the deacons had already told us, I got to go from Columbiana to Alabaster, when we get through counting the money, I'm going over there. Well, the, on the other end of the line was a young lady, and she said, Sir, my car is broken down over here in Alabaster, and the ministers of Alabaster are having my car repaired, but I don't have money for gas. And so I asked her, I said, Young lady, do you know Jesus? And the phone went quiet. And then she said, Yes, I do but I'm in sin. I said, well, there's a man coming that way and he's going to bring you $50. No, I didn't say that. I said, he's going to bring you some money. So I pulled out that $50 bill and I gave it to Roy McKinney and he took it to her. Again, in two weeks, the church got a letter saying she didn't know who answered the phone, but she felt like our church needed to know that she and her daughter had rededicated their life to Jesus and that the church needed to know that. So you see, God's word does not come back void. The Bible says, but my word, which goes forth out of my mouth, it shall accomplish what I wish, saith the Lord. So when you, as a church, give to Gideon's International, it's going to touch somebody's soul. You may not can teach a Sunday school class, may not can be a pastor, 
but God's word will not come back void. We were making one of our last distributions in Shelby County about several years ago, and we were making it at a particular school, and uh, when we got through, a little boy uh, kept hanging around, and so when we totally through with making the distribution, we had distributed 300 Gideon Bibles. He came up to me, and he said, but I'm convinced of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He said, I learned that scripture from the Bible you gave my brother last year. God is amazing. God's word is amazing. And you can rest assured, anything your church gives to Gideon's International will go to print these Bibles, distribute these Bibles, and people's lives will be changed. Now you may be here and you may not have ever accepted Jesus as your Savior. You may be here and you may be a Christian that's out of God's will for your life. But this is what the Scripture says. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you've been sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word is the only thing that can change a life. And according to the Bible, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a wonderful Lord that we have, that you have if you've accepted him? So, you may not have ever accepted Jesus. You may be a Christian out of God's will. Brother Adam's going to come, and if there's anyone that needs to make a decision, he'll be here to accept that.